Hello, and thanks for joining Wicker Park Lutheran Church Sermons. Wicker Park Lutheran Church is a diverse ELCA Lutheran congregation in the Wicker Park neighborhood of Chicago. We gather at 10 a.m. to fully live into our incarnational faith as we experience God's presence in the gathered assembly, and we welcome you to join us. In just a moment, you'll first hear with a gospel reading from the associated sermon for the service that you're about to listen to. We hope that that gospel gives you some context before you jump right into the sermon. Thanks for checking us out, and we hope to see you soon. This is the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked the spirit, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the gospel of the Lord. Today, our first reading came from the book of Deuteronomy, which is the last book of the Torah. And I don't know if you know this, but Deuteronomy is a very special book, although it can be a little hard to understand sometimes. But we know that the stories inside of Deuteronomy are very important to God because Jesus quotes Deuteronomy more than he quotes any other book. And Paul and his contemporaries reference Deuteronomy more than any other book. So let's see what treasures it has for us today. Now put our reading in context. At this time in our history, the people of God were wandering. It's a beautiful fact of the English language that the word wandering sounds so much like wondering. The people were wandering and wondering. They were wandering between a known and a painful past in Egypt and an uncertain but maybe beautiful future in Canaan, the promised land. And in between pain and the promised land was the desert. The desert is a dangerous place. The winds are always shifting. The dunes of sand are always changing. It never quite looks the same. There's nothing to eat or drink, and almost nothing grows there. And according to the wisdom of this world, there's no reason to go into the desert at all. It's interesting, though, because that's where God so often seems to meet God's people only once they are far away from easy lives and comfortable answers. When the Israelites moved through their desert, Moses was their guide. Their prophet, Moses, with his sister Miriam 
and his brother Aaron and his wife Zipporah. They led the people out of Egypt. Moses led them for many, many years. And over those many, many years, Zipporah died, and Miriam died, and Aaron died. But Moses kept going. He kept leading. He kept bringing down wisdom from holy mountains. And 40 years in to the wandering, the people grew anxious. You can probably sense some of that anxiety in our text today. You can practically hear them saying, Moses, you're getting on in years. We're not at the promised land yet. What are we supposed to do without you? How are we going to get there without you? In comes Deuteronomy, the love letter written by Moses to the Israelites to soothe their anxiety about the future of the people of God. Moses said all these things in the 40th year on the first day of the 11th month. He said, do you remember what you all said to me about Horeb? If you forgot, that's the place where I brought you the Ten Commandments and you built a golden calf. I was on the mountain, I was in the fire, and I heard the voice of God, and I brought you God's message. And then you said, who else is there on the planet who has heard the voice of God and lived? Only you. If any of us had went into that fire, we would have died. But you, Moses, you have walked on God's mountain and spent time in God's fire. You're the only one that we can trust to be our prophet. Everything that the Lord tells you to do, we will listen and we will do it. It's funny, though, with the benefit of hindsight, we know, in fact, that the people of God did not always listen to what Moses said. In fact, they almost always did the opposite of what Moses said. Don't hoard manna, we hoard manna. Don't build an idol, we instantly build an idol. It's, it's hard to trust a prophet of the Lord, just like it's hard to follow God into the desert. There's no earthly reason to trust a prophet of the Lord because following the will of God will not lead to earthly rewards. It just won't. But in time, the people came to trust Moses and they came to trust the prophecies that he gave them would lead to the abundant life that they were hoping for. And that's why it was so hard for them to imagine going on without him, to imagine the promised land without him. And so Moses continued, and that's where we get our passage today. Moses said, one day, dear people, the Lord your God will raise up another prophet, someone like me from among you. You should listen to them. Remember, you said that you wanted to trust the people who could go close to the fire of God and could hear the voice of the living God and live. And then God said, I will raise up for them a prophet like you. I will put my words in the mouth of that prophet. Anyone who does not heed the words that prophet shall speak, I will hold accountable. 
I wonder what words does God put in the mouths of prophets? I think they're words like, I love you and do better. They're words that prickle the strong and bring liberation to the powerless. Words like, all lives matter is missing the point of Black Lives Matter. Words like, queer people are made in the image of God and gender affirming, affirming surgery is a holy act. The Torah tells us that a prophet is someone who comes close to the holy fire in the isolation of God's mountain, who hears the words of the living God and lives to tell the tale. People, I tell you that these prophets are still here, and many of them are in this room. There are some people in this world who, because of the color of their skin or who their souls love or how gender blossoms within them, they are born into that holy fire. There are some people in this world by the very nature of their being who are able to hear the voice of God very loudly and very clearly on the holy mountain. I was debating whether or not I should include this next part, but I think I'm going to. You know, when I'm outside the walls of this church, and I meet a straight person, and they find out that I'm a queer minister, I'm always asked the same question. This has happened to me literally dozens of times. Everyone says, man, how hard was it growing up queer and Christian? And then before I can even answer, they say, it must have been awful. You must have hated yourself. There's this baseline assumption that what God has given me as a gift must really be a burden. And sure, my queer identity makes it hard to exist in this world, but it is a profound gift that I would never give away. Because I am queer, since I was a child, I have seen very clearly the ways that this world is so, so far from the world God wants for us. I have never been able to be tricked by the idea that this church is perfect, that our way of living is perfect, that we are doing everything perfectly. And many straight people, many white people, many cis people who need to learn that lesson in order to come close to the kingdom of God will learn it painfully over time as they approach God's fire little by little and the veil of false freedom False safety and false life is burned away, piece by piece. But queer people, we were born in that fire. People of color, you were born in that fire. There was no veil to burn away. My dear people, if you have an identity born of that fire, if you are a person whose sexuality fits comfortably, I'm sorry, if, my dear people, if you are not a person born of that fire, if you are a person whose sexuality fits comfortably within the structures 
of this world or someone with a race or a gender that can take on worldly power or worldly safety very easily. You, my friends, have the struggle of the Israelites. You will have the struggle of witnessing prophets and worrying whether or not they are false. You will receive prophecy and feel uncomfortable. You will hear the word reparations and think, haven't I done enough? You will hear people crying out, we must do better, and you will think, what else is there? You will hear criticism from the marginalized. You will hear anger from the outcasts. It won't feel good. God will send you the people crying out and the people bearing prophecy, and it is your job to listen. And my people who have an identity born of fire, that is no cross to bear. That is a gift from God, the gift given to Moses and all the prophets. That is the gift of knowing truth, the gift of discerning unclean spirits, the gift of seeing sin for what it is, plain and simple, the thing that divides us, that separates us, that allows any one of us to say that you are not loved. Because that's a lie. You are all so loved. It's the gift of seeing how sin separates us from the abundant life and everlasting love that God set out for us. You know, one thing I want to mention is that in this passage, God does not tell us to worry about whether a prophet is false, whether a prophet who claims to speak for God is actually speaking for themselves. In fact, this passage from Deuteronomy specifically tells us not to worry about it. False prophets will be dealt with by God. They will lose power. They will die out. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. The word of our God is inclusion and love over and over and over again. The prophets who bear the word of our God will sit in these pews and walk in those streets and they will deliver that word and we must listen. Dear people, I say to you this day, Reconciling in Christ Sunday is not just about repeating the everyday call of the church, that diversity is beautiful, that queer people are beloved, that all are welcome in the assembly of God. It's about all those things. But it's also about listening to the prophets God has sent into our assembly from the fire. It's about being uncomfortable and feeling confused and having to wrestle, but still receiving the word of the living, breathing God incarnate and flesh all around us. It's about unlocking our hearts, being open to change, living in repentance, humility, and grace, tearing down those golden idols we love to build up, working for justice, that rolls down like the waters, and actively seeking to reconcile our broken world to God's vision of the kingdom. People, I tell you, the kingdom of heaven is all around us. 
the kingdom of heaven is near.